you're going to assume the search term that someone searches. You're going to assume that someone's going to walk through your homepage as the front door and it might be a different page. They're going to click on something and it's going to be broken and you're going to be mortified. And that's exactly what you want. You want to feel like a brand new prospect and see yourself through your prospect's eyes. And that's what I mean by sitting in the buyer's seat. Hi, and welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media. And as always, I will be both your host and bartender today. I had a chance to chat today with Gracie Cantalupo, who is the CMO at MentorClick. And Gracie has a theory around you must become a good buyer in order to become a great seller. So we're going to unpack that today. And there's a couple of ideas that she shares with us that she has done at MentorClick that are going to be big duh aha moments to a lot of you because it certainly was the case for me. So if you'd like to grab a drink and join me as I speak with Gracie from MentorClick. Hey, Gracie, welcome to SAS Half Full. Hi there. It is so good to see you. Uh, Gracie and I met last fall in a horrible, horrible conditions. We were on a hike in Southern California and happened to get paired up together. Uh, and I was glad that we did because we had an awesome conversation and have continued our relationship after, which brings us here to today. So welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited too. It's been a long time. We need to go back to the beach. Yes, please. And we did send you a cocktail kit. What are you drinking today? So I'm in one of those states where I guess they can't ship alcohol, but that's okay because I got one of the wild wonders, the little antioxidant probiotic drinks, and I just added my own vodka. There you go. I am going with a truly margarita, classic lime, because it's easy and I always have a supply of these. Uh, so cheers. Cheers. Uh, Grace and I are today going to talk about uh, something that will resonate if you are, whether you're a CMO or if you happen to sit under a CRO or if you are a sales leader, of which we do have some who listen to this, um, talking about why you need to become a good buyer before you can become a great seller. Uh, and Gracie has some really specific examples to share, which uh, has me super pumped because it's like one of those duh moments where as I was thinking through, I'm like, man, everybody should do the thing she's talking about, but I guarantee most of you don't. But before we dive into that topic, I do want to give our listeners an understanding, Gracie, of who you are, how your journey to MentorClick took shape, and then also do we want to understand what is MentorClick for those that are listening. So if you could take us through uh, your journey into being a SaaS CMO, was it intentional? Was it by accident? What does that look like? Yeah, great question. Um, I have about 15 years of experience in marketing, both in B2C and B2B, at organizations and startups and large companies. I've worked in the beauty industry, the entertainment industry, and in real estate, and in SaaS. And it gives me a really unique perspective. And I love being able to infuse that B2C from my mentor, from my um, MTV and Viacom days, with my results-driven B2B experience in my SaaS roles. Before MentorClick, I actually worked at an ERP company, and it was a SaaS company. And kind of infusing that B2B and B2C helps me create a more human-to-human -human approach, as I call it, at MentorClick. So really excited about how we can fuse all of those things together, especially with a product like mentoring. For sure. Uh, it's interesting. I, I've had another guest on here before who used to also do marketing at MTV. 
Uh, he was the former CMO at Cheetah Digital, and he, when he went to Cheetah Digital, brought Tommy Lee in as a spokesperson, which really was meshing those two worlds. Um, how have you seen your B2C background influence what you do on the B2B side? Because B2B obviously has this stodgy, old, boring, you know, B2B to bland um, <laughs> type of reputation, which not not all untrue, but how have you been able to harness some of that B- more B2C mentality into a B2B marketer? Yeah, that's I love that. So being a B2B marketer versus a B2C marketer, like B2B, you're really pipeline numbers driven. And I think on the B2C side, you get to have a lot more fun, but it's harder to measure the fun. I'm trying to fuse those both together and measure all the fun things that we get to do. MentorClick, we help employees have better careers through mentoring. And so I get to atone for my reality TV days at MTV and make people's lives better. Um, I used to work on shows like The Jersey Shore and Mob Wives, which were really fun, but hard to measure your impact. Whereas now I could actually measure the impact we're having on people's careers. Right. Are there more people going to the gym and tan and laundry combinations? Uh, right. It's hard to measure. So you mentioned <laughs> mentor click, uh, mentoring and in- improving people's lives. Talk to us about the platform itself. I think it's helpful to frame the value of the platform in the context of the problems that a lot of organizations are facing today. And I think that starts with headlines you're all seeing, massive layoffs, quiet quitting, falling short on DEI promises. And all of this leads to employee disengagement and those workers that are left behind picking up all that extra work. And that's leading to ultimately losing great talent. So at MentorClick, I'm really excited with what we get to do because we help companies navigate challenge like these. We help employees develop their career, hone their craft, and develop a community at work through mentoring. And most people feel like, oh yeah, mentoring sounds like a good thing. But at MentorClick, we can actually measure the results and mentoring ROI and the impact that mentoring has on employee engagement, development, and retention. So we believe every employee deserves to have a great mentor to help them thrive in their career. And our software makes that process easy for the company and for the employees. Uh, I wish I could see a show of hands or not of heads because I'd like to ask the question, like, raise your hand if you've ever had a shitty mentor experience. And we would get a lot. I have had bad ones. I've been a shitty mentor to people because there's no structure and I don't know what the desired outcome is supposed to be. Uh, So having a, a structure and having a way to measure the impact would be extremely helpful in my past experience. I think some people say, ooh, software sounds like structure, sounds like it's too formal, and we just like to do our own thing. I would think of it as intentional mentoring. So we put some intentional things in place, some intentional things that help you mentor better, more efficiently, and help you measure it. Yeah. Uh, And when I approached you to be on the show, you had said, we're not going to talk the whole time about mentor click. want to help marketers, and I have things to say about that. I would love to talk about mentoring. So don't be surprised if I bring it on back to that at the end. We can do both. We can Uh, do both. But something that you had said, which is what we ended up sticking with and want to talk about today, is to be a better marketer and seller, you have to sit in the buyer's seat. So unpack this for us. Yeah. So I think real simple, buy better, sell better. And there's a few examples I can give that has happened to us recently that has actually impacted our marketing and sales process. 
I think what happens is we build this sales playbook and we get it approved and we're all excited and we buy tech and we go. And then we don't want to change anything because it took so long to implement it. And then we stop looking at what works. The world changes. The world of work is changing. How buyers buy is changing. And we should always be looking at that. I'm sure I actually had a dentist appointment this morning. So this example could resonate too. The dentist usually never sits in the chair and looks up at the light that's dusty or the ceiling that has water stains on it. So you should walk your own store as if you had a storefront, walk your own virtual business as well. Look at your online presence. And when you say look at your own online presence, now I've looked at my, I think about our Blast Media website, I've looked at it, I mean, more times than I can count. Am I equipped to walk that journey? Am I too close to it? Who should be doing that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say it shouldn't be the person that's really close to it. But to back up two steps, this really, it's not my idea. I can't take credit for this. This actually is inspired by Rudy Giuliani. In the 70s and 80s, he cleaned up New York City with the broken window theory is what he called it. And he had graffiti cleaned up off the street. He fixed broken windows because that disarray was attracting more crime. So just by cleaning it up, it made the neighborhood better and it gave people a better impression of the neighborhood. So now let's bring it to our example here. If you walk your own web presence, you'll think in your head, oh, I know I just updated that last quarter and like, oh yeah, that should be working because I know I worked on that and whatever. You need a stranger to do it or someone at least that doesn't do that every day. So what we do is periodically I hire someone and I use Upwork to do it. Someone that doesn't know I'm MentorClick. They don't know anything about our business whatsoever. And I ask them to, hey, hire an online researcher. There's tons of talent out there you can hire. It's not that expensive. And say, hey, pretend you have this problem that you're trying to solve. Go do some web searches, record a video of, of your search process, and give me your top five vendors that you were, would explore if your boss was asking you for that. And that is an amazing activity because you're going to assume the search term that someone searches. You're going to assume that someone's going to walk through your homepage as the front door and it might be a different page. They're going to click on something and it's going to be broken and you're going to be mortified. And that's exactly what you want. You want to feel like a brand new prospect and see yourself through your prospect's eyes. And that's what I mean by sitting in the buyer's seat. Uh, so I want to underscore that process, which was hiring, hiring an online researcher through Upwork. Because when you hear online researcher or researcher, I, I feel like your brain immediately goes to like high dollar volume. I mean, I'm hiring a research firm. And what you are saying is, no, you are hiring a person independently uh, with some very basic parameters to walk that journey. Uh, but what in, in the times that you have done that, uh, what did you find? How did that go? One time we, because of this well-timed project, uh, they noticed a bunch of our videos were broken. And that's because our video platform changed a setting, which broke all of our videos. And I may not have known that until a prospect told me. And they're not always that forthcoming. They're not in the business of helping you. They need something from you at that point. So that was one that was um, shocking and appalling. Um, the other is I actually used it to make the case to invest more in SEO. This was a few years back, like we're heavily invested now. 
but paid was really great for us at the time. And we were paying the bills with the paid side of inbound, right? And I was like, we can't do this forever and I've got to prove it. Um, so I actually used it to make the business case to my CEO that we need to invest in SEO because the researchers didn't click on the paid ads. They went to organic search first. Right. So, that, so that actually, I spent a little bit of money and got a lot more budget. Yeah. So you used this to, before you even had buy-in for a strategy, before you had went in and asked for budget, is you walked your own storefront as a step one to make the case for that. Exactly. I love that. And I guarantee you there are people who listen to this episode right now and they're like, oh, that's genius. That sounds so easy and makes so much sense. But where I would have gotten stuck is just who do you hire? Yeah. Like that outside of like, let me tap you like a friend maybe, but who do you even hire that has zero brand awareness of your brand? So you have to really get outside of that sphere. So when it comes to being a better buyer, so you can be a better seller, what else should you do to help put yourselves in the shoes of your buyer? I think it's common for companies to always be shopping other SaaS companies for little tips and tricks and tactics and ideas, but it's acting. I don't think you can get into the spirit unless you're actually needing to buy technology to solve a problem that your company has. So we can pretend and we can research, but you got to feel the pain and you got to feel what it's like to have a deadline and jump through the hoops to get these demos and make a business case internally. And you need real skin in the game to really feel what your buyers are feeling. We actually identified, I actually got to be a buyer twice last year. And in one of the things, we had a real problem we were solving, which is, our sales team had a very outdated method of sharing materials with prospects. They used a tool on LinkedIn, um, which is better than attaching a huge PDF, which is gross. I hope no one does that. It's better than that, but I had no version control and I had no data. I had no idea what people were engaging with and I had no idea what content was most closely tied to revenue. So I swear to God, I think some salespeople broke into our storage unit and like picked out the oldest, crustiest presentation they could find and they were still using it. So version control matters, y'all. It matters. So I actually went through a process of doing a full sales enablement evaluation. And I was like, I booked the demos. I got stakeholders involved. I made the business case. And I saw the pain and felt the pain of what it's like to be a buyer mm -hmm. and that not being your full-time job. Like your buyers have 10 other things on their list and you're probably not number one most of the time. And it kept falling to the bottom of my list. So that was the first major takeaway for me is, wow, how can we make this process easier for our prospects? Mm -hmm. Just getting to the vendor of choice like how do we make it easier to demo how do we make it easier easier to see our differentiators how do we make it easier to buy um because damn we make it hard sometimes you know right make right. it real hard <laughs> for sure uh what were some specific things that you uncovered when you were looking for a sales enablement tool that you identified you do in your process either well or that needed improvement so I had three big takeaways from being the buyer um, that are super interesting. 
number one, which causes a lot of drama with me and the sales team, um, death by bant. I would say if most of your prospects maybe won't score 100 on the normal bant, I did not have budget or the timing. So I didn't have the B or the T, but I was the CMO and I was making the business case, but I didn't have the timing. I definitely had a need. If they would have banted me hard, I wouldn't have qualified. Mm -hmm. And that would have taken me out of the game as the vendor. So I think really not being so harsh on that is really helpful. And if you have a small sales team and they have to prioritize, I would say have another path for those that aren't scoring what you need them to score, mm -hmm. whether it's a bet or another methodology, because mm -hmm. my vendor would have missed out on me if they would have done that. Number two is, you know, going back to what I said earlier, is understanding that you're not on the top of their to-do list and selling internally is hard and it's not their full-time job. If you're a seller or a marketer, you may think, oh, okay, yeah, it's really easy to sell internally. I sell all the time. Right. But if your buyer's not a marketer or a salesperson, our buyers are in HR and talent. Selling ideas isn't really what they do. Um, how can you help your buyer sell internally easier? Because what I noticed happens is, you know, I write 10 things down every day that I'm going to try to get done. And that would be on the list. But because I had to sit down and figure out how and I don't have my next actions for that, it moves to the bottom. I'll pick that up tomorrow. I swear I'll do it first thing and it keeps moving. There goes your sales time, y'all. Like that really extends your sales cycle if you can't make that easier. So what I've done with our sales team is I've shared that feedback back with them. And I didn't just raise a flag. As a marketing team, I always find it like we have to bring a solution with us as well if we're going to complain to sales about something. But I think if you give your buyers a very easy plan to follow with milestones, like we do with mentoring, it'll keep things on track and then you'll catch it early when things are falling out of pace and you can help them out. Because sometimes sellers will go, okay, I sent them everything they need and they have an internal meeting next week. I'll follow up after the meeting. Oh, I pushed the meeting because this happened or whatever. Like you got to make sure those milestones happen. Yep. And you got to be a good, you know, be a good partner. And then last, but certainly not least, you have to figure out how to operationalize these things between sales and marketing. It's not an email. It's not a pithy, smart comment you make in a meeting. It's not even one meeting focused around your learnings. There has to be continuous sales and marketing alignment. And so what we do at MentorClick, just like we help our clients, with mentoring programs, we do mentoring programs too. And we have mentoring silo busters. And what we do is we get someone from every phase of the customer journey involved in a silo buster. So you've got someone from marketing, sales, product, growth, and success together, understanding each other's day-to-day, -day, sharing learnings like my buying process learnings, and making sure we all understand what other people's sticking points are, how are we making our coworkers' jobs harder? How can we make their job easier so we can in turn make the buying job easier? And setting those up on a normal basis, continuously sharing that knowledge in a silo buster mentoring program has been extremely helpful for us. Um, and I hope all your listeners start thinking about, oh yeah, I could definitely bust down some, some walls and some silos between my sales and marketing teams. I am sure. 
And this really resonates with me because I, I sell to what I do for Blast Media is I'm on the front lines of, of customer acquisition for us. And I, but I also, I'm a buyer of software for our agency and I'm in the process right now of looking for two solutions and I'm, I'm the worst freaking buyer. I'm the worst. And I'm like, as someone who sells, like I, it, it has opened my own eyes. Like, okay, this, this is helpful for me in, in understanding that whole process because I, I'm what you described, which is, it is a, it's a priority, but it's like not the priority. So I will push it and push it. It's on the to-do list. I have literally said, I have a meeting with my partner on Friday and we're going to discuss this. So I should know something by the end of next week. Well, guess what happens? Yep. Didn't have the meeting on Friday because we're running around. And so, but of course I don't update them. And so the next one was like, Hey, how'd that meeting go? I'm like, Oh shit, it didn't happen. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> so it's like, we've all experienced as buyers, really bad experiences. I'm sure there's people listening today. They're like, Oh yes, but are our buyers having that experience? Like, are we the bad sellers too? And there might be a few things that hopefully you'll have picked out from this conversation. Where like, yeah, we, we need to, to take a look at that. For me, definitely having someone else, uh, hiring someone to walk through your journey. And then, and not just looking at your website, but Gracie, what stood out to me was taking that, that discovery journey. So here's the problem you're having. What, what would you search? Where does that take you? What do you click on? What do you not? Then once you get to our website, because I would imagine there are times when the problem that they're searching for actually doesn't even lead them to the company that's hired them to do it, which is a problem in and of itself. But this idea of, or the, the topic of mentoring, I know it's not our focus for today, but I do want to bring it back because I have been someone who is very willing to be a mentor. And I've done it through organizations like my alma mater reached out and asked me to mentor students. We've done it internally as an agency. And I've had random people kind of hit me up on like LinkedIn, like, would you be a mentor? But the times I've done it, um, I use the word unstructured in that it was basically here to people meet. Who's driving it? Like, am I supposed to lead it? Is the mentee supposed to lead it? And then also, what's the desired outcome of it? And maybe I'm not thinking about mentoring the right way. Who should be leading that? And then what, it, I mean, the desired outcomes may be different for everyone, but what are some standard outcomes of good mentorship programs? I think step one is mentees, like someone who wants to find a mentor, should do better with how they ask. So I think instead of being like, Lindsay, will you be my mentor? They should say, Lindsay, I was really impressed with X, Y, and Z. This is the skill set I want to build in my career because I want it to bring me to here. I would love it if you would just spend half an hour with me and I can pick your brain. Don't ask for a someone to be your mentor cold. Like get to know them a little bit yeah. better. Think about what you want and how it's going to help you flatter them and ask them for like a, lit, a little itty, itty bit of time. Yeah. And they're going to give it to you. I guarantee you, if someone asked me that of me and I was slammed, I would just refer them to someone else. If I couldn't right. do it, I wouldn't not help them. You'll probably get a 30-minute meeting. And then see, do the vibe check. Are you going to learn what you think you're going to learn? Do you like this person? Do you want to spend time with this person? Then go in for the 
the ask as the mentee and be like, hey, I loved our time together, Lindsay. Would you be open to meeting with me once? You don't even have to call it, will you be my mentor? Because I understand sometimes that's a little scary, right? Hey, can we meet once a quarter for an hour? And like, I'll email you ahead of time the things I want to talk about so you can process it. And I just want to get your feedback on these things. And then you, you set the meeting as the mentee. And then we meet. I take notes. Lindsay gives me feedback and action items. I go do them. Great. I'm going to book another, our next one for next month or next quarter. And then I think that would kill a lot of the bad mentoring first impressions off the bat. And I think a lot of mentors think, oh, I don't have time to like carry this whole thing. The mentee should drive it a little bit more. That's been my experience where it's all of a sudden it's a burden on me, right? And the time is already the burden if it is not being spent in any way that adds value to either party. And that's where I have felt it really break down is that the the responsibility then has been on me to drive it. But I, I don't know what the person want, wants or what right. skill set, you know, they're looking to grow. And that shouldn't so, be on you to figure out. Yes. So all of you listening, if you are seeking a mentor, <laughs> Gracie just told you how to make the ass. Uh-huh. And <laughs> the onus is on you, dear mentee, to drive the conversations and the outcomes that you want. This has been awesome. Is there anything else that you want to share that we didn't have a chance to tackle? No, I think we got it all. Got it all. Well, as I end every episode, I ask my guests if they have a favorite or signature toast to send us out. Oh. You have one to share, potentially an Italian toast, which I think I know what that one is. I don't speak Italian. My husband's the Italian one, but I have a different toast. A little bit of context first. So um, our marketing team has a nickname that was given to us by a competitor, and it's kind of a fun fun little story, and I'll end it with the the toast. We went to a big industry convention, had a big presence. We had our like blingy lanyards, which Mm -hmm. for those of you can't see, it's shiny and it's purple. (laughs) Purple's our color. I'm wearing a sparkly shirt. We're shiny over here. That CEO talked to our CEO at lunch. He was like, great presence. Good to see more of us here. You guys are glitzy. I kind of made a face. And I, and I, when the CEO told me that, I was like, I love that. And so that's marketing's nickname now. Is like, yeah, like, we are. We're team glitzy. So stay glitzy out there, y'all. Oh, oh I love it. I was glitzy is not on brand for me, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to say stay glitzy out there, y'all, just like <laughs> you did. I will drink to that. Thanks again to Gracie for joining me on SAS Hapful. Love that conversation. Uh, I kept bringing it back to mentoring because it is something that I've experienced that is a problem that needs a good solution like Mentor Click. But love the idea she gave around hiring an independent internet researcher to walk your buyer's journey and walk through your own storefront. Hopefully that's something that you all can take away and potentially leverage at your own company. But as always, I appreciate you tuning in and listening. And until next time, bottoms up. And for those of you who have listened all the way until the end, thank you so much. We are doing our one more drink segment that I'm asking all of our guests the same question, which is, what do you wish more CEOs understood about marketing? Here's Gracie's answer. I think for me, it's 
the partnership that marketing needs with sales. And I'm very fortunate to have that at MentorClick. I know lots of marketers, heads of marketing that fight every day for respect and a seat at the table. And they do that instead of doing the work that we wanna do. And so I wish more CEOs understood what my CEO and my CRO understood, which is marketing and sales are a partnership and same respect, seat at the table, let's link up, let's get it done.